Hello and welcome back to the In Squash Podcast. It's episode 226. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and you don't want to miss this one. A fantastic chat with the recently PSA, recent PSA retiree, Daryl Selby, and what a great uh, career he had uh, in 2011, winning the British National Championship several times, uh, Commonwealth Game medalist most recently in uh, Birmingham, winning the silver in the men's doubles uh, several PSA titles to his name and just a class act all around. Uh, we talk about his career, especially uh, that highlight, which is winning the uh, the British uh, British National Championship in 2011 during the period when Nick Matthews seemed to be unbeatable. Uh, I think Nick had won 10, has won 10, and it was in the middle of his run of winning all those titles. Uh, Daryl uh, took him out and uh, took him out in five and beat him at his own game, maybe. I mean, taking... Nick to five, you would think that uh, you know Nick, being as fit uh, as he is and as strong as he is, would uh, would take the fifth. But no. But we talk about that match at length, and we talk about Daryl's career, uh, his PSA career. What a great run he had. Uh, he recently actually is still playing squash, um, not on the PSA, but uh, he just recently won the uh, the Lexton RFC Open. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, he participated, represented England in the men's doubles, and pulled the silver medal there. So lots to be proud of in a great career. Not only that, uh, he's probably on the highlight reel for shot of the year, shot of the month, shot of the week, shot of the tournament uh, for several years running. And we take a look at those. Uh, there was one video that came out recently, the top 10 Selby shots. Uh, I chose my two favorites of those 10, and Daryl tells us which uh, of his shots that he's played over the years is his favorite and you might be surprised by that and we also take a uh, we chat quite a bit about a mutual uh, pastime that we both uh, enjoy which is golf uh, we don't spend too much time on that but we do uh, talk about uh, about that a little bit uh, he had posted recently a scorecard uh, which he says uh, is his own and I, I believe him because I know I've heard from several other others that he's quite a good golfer but he posted uh, he shot a 74 on the old Old course, uh, old British Open. Uh, I believe they used, they played the British Open there on a few occasions, and a great anecdote there where he played a par three with British Open champion and former, uh, just an absolute legend of the golf game, Tom Watson, probably one of my favorite players growing up before uh, Tiger came along. But uh, anyways, we talk about all of that. We talk about the current game. We get his thoughts on the season that's upcoming. Uh, it's actually underway right now. Um, with uh, with Daryl's uh, impressions on the men's and the women's game and much, much more. I know you're going to really enjoy this. Daryl always shows up big, and he does so on episode 226. Now, before we get into that, though, I want to tell you a bit about my new uh, sponsor. Uh, this is our third episode with them, Open Squash. And... Uh, <clears throat> They are a New York-based nonprofit that is dedicated to growing the game of squash and by making it more accessible and affordable to everyone and bringing thousands of new people into the sport, which is amazing and which is what we really need to do right now in an attempt to grow the game. Open Squash already has a thriving community squash center in the heart of Manhattan with hundreds of members where over 20% of its members are on some kind of income-based discount. Uh, and Open Squash has already signed leases to build and operate two more community squash centers in New York City over the next couple of years, after which it will have 23 courts and counting. 
That's right, 23 courts and counting. So pre-sales and marketing for those facilities will start in the coming months, so stay tuned for that with the same income-based discounts. So listeners in NYC, please watch out for more information. Indeed, the passionate executive director of Open Squash, Cleve Miller, will be on this very podcast in a few weeks, and I can't wait for that. We're going to flesh out all about Open Squash, and I've spoken to Cleve uh, a couple of times, and uh, yeah, you're, you're not going to want to miss that one, and uh, he'll he'll tell us all about the uh, the vision and what uh, Open Squash is uh, planning to do, not only now, but down the road long term. Uh, but last but not least, Open Squash has developed close relationships with some of the top players and leaders of the squash world who uh, share Open Squash's mission, many of whom have appeared on my podcast. Uh, Mike Wegg, uh, the incredible coach at Harvard, is the senior advisor to Open Squash and visits Open Squash regularly to host camps and clinics when he can. And of course, I can't fail to mention that Open Squash is sponsoring several of the top PSA pro players, including Ali Farag, Gina Kennedy, Nathan Lake, Victor Quinn, who's just uh, reached the final of the first big event, the first platinum event in Doha, and he's playing extremely well. We'll be playing at Mohamed El Shabagi in the final. Also, Open Squash is sponsoring Haley uh, Mendez, and they're all committed to the same mission of making the sport more accessible and each in their own way helping Open Squash advance their important cause. So, once again, I really want to welcome Open Squash to the In Squash podcast family and really looking forward to having Cleve on the executive director of Open Squash in a few weeks time and fleshing all of this out. So again, many thanks to Open Squash for sponsoring our podcast and many thanks to Daryl Selby, the man, the myth, the legend. Episode 226. How are you doing? Well, it's good to see you, Daryl, and uh, it's great to have you back on. You were, I think, somewhere around episode 100 or something, something like that a few, uh, maybe two, three years ago when I first, yeah. and uh, back in your uh, PSA, sort of the getting towards the tail and the end of that uh, part of your, your squash life. But uh, how, for, before we get into all of that, how's life uh, treating you? How's the family? I know you have a, a young, uh, youngish family. So how's mm. it going? Good. Yeah. Family's good. They're growing quick. Uh, what are they now? Four, four, seven, nine. Okay. So great. growing, growing up quick. Yeah, youngish, but past the worst of it in terms of uh, sleeping. In yeah. that sense, probably uh, more emotion, emotional issues to come. But that's all good. Um, the, we're getting uh, a full night's sleep. Boys and girls. Uh... Yeah, I've got two boys and then a girl. Okay. So um, good dynamic. The girl is uh, ferocious, and um, yeah, the boys are boys are like dogs. Just feed them, let them run around, and they're all good. Great. Yeah, I've got two girls, and uh, time, like you said, time just flies by. Now they're uh, actually, as we speak, they're driving from Halifax, which you know well. Uh, yes. From Halifax to uh, Ottawa, my oldest daughter's driving the young one to university to, to get settled nice. in uh, Ottawa. So, uh, and they're all, they're almost there. So for me, uh, I lost that argument. You're going to, with two girls, well, now that's the dynamic, having two girls and a wife, you lose a lot of that. Because uh, I didn't want, I didn't want them driving. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, good to good to hear the family is uh, doing well, and, and uh, I guess it's cliche to say it, but uh, you know, embrace the, these younger years because, oh my God, I can't believe now the the nest is empty on this end. Yeah, yeah, no, everyone says how quickly it goes, uh, and do you know what? It has it has gone pretty quick already. Um, when you look at the oldest, the oldest one is like nearly ten. Yeah, it goes goes quick. Remember it. Like yesterday when he was a uh, little baby, so it does go quick. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, um, I reached out to you, I think it was a little bit after you announced your PSA retirement. I think that was in early August, maybe even August 1st. You tweeted that you were done with the, the PSA tour. I think a lot of people yeah. knew that already. But uh, uh, since you've retired, I mean, you're, you're, you've been... Your squash has been, uh, I mean, you've, you've had some good <laughs> results. Uh, you, the Commonwealth Games picked up your third uh, your third medal there, and then you yep. uh, recently won in the uh, the Lexton RFC Open. You won that event. Uh, so uh, what's, uh, what's squash life as a PSA retiree like? It's nice. It's quite nice, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've stopped playing on P- on the PSA. It, it was always a decision that was gonna gonna come at, at some point. But um, yeah, to be honest, I would have stopped a bit sooner. The only reason I kept my PSA membership really uh, over the last year was to just try and play a few tournaments in the lead up to the Commonwealth Games. Although I wasn't playing singles at the Commonwealth, so I thought that trying to play a couple of um, PSA events, local PSA events would keep my eye in and keep my competitive juices flowing before trying to give it my all in the last last event in the Commonwealth Games, the doubles. But I think it worked out well. I felt good at the Commonwealth Games. I, you know, I moved pretty well and I felt like I was uh, I was in as good a shape as I could have been considering. Um, and yeah, it worked out well. We, we got silver in the doubles, which, you know, we, we weren't seeded to. Um, we, we, we had high you know, high expectations going in in that we really believed that we we could win. But the, the type of pair that we were, like I was fairly solid on my side. And then with Adrian, he's um, he's he's amazing when he's on and playing well. Like he can hit winner after winner after winner. Um, but the flip yeah, side of that is something... To speak about Adrian, I mean, he... I, I've never spoken to him on the podcast, but I'd love yeah. to. He's one of the guys I really like to watch play just because for such a big guy... Yeah, and he's got tremendous. I I think he's got great hands. Yeah, uh, hits the ball every time. It's so crisp. I don't yeah. know if there's anyone who hits it like him. Yeah, absolutely. He he's a you know great technician. He he's he's a very um he's a very very good player. Like underrated maybe a little bit, but um in doubles especially that that sort of technical aspect comes into it, and 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 he's you know he's able to hit winners, and and when we're on. You know, playing well together. I think. I think we were. You know, arguably, like we believed that we were the best pair. But then, you know, with that comes in doubles. You have massive phases of of momentum, and you go up and down. And you know, sometimes we'd lose. You know, quite a few points in a row, which it's just the nature of the game, really. And then other times you'd um, you'd win loads of points in a row, which we could do. But um, I enjoyed playing with him. I enjoyed it. We had a good dynamic. Um, we obviously two silver medals. We had a silver medal from from uh, Gold Coast as well. And when you think about how many good doubles pairs there were in the last two Commonwealth Games, I, I think they're they're two silver medals to be really proud of. 
Oh, for sure. And, and you also had a, a medal. Uh, I'm not sure if it was silver or gold at the world uh, doubles championships as well. That was mixed doubles, right? Yeah, so that's from a while. So I've got another bronze medal from the Commonwealth Games in 2014 with James Wilstrop, where we uh, where we got the bronze. We unfortunately lost in the semis to Palmer and Pilly, um, who were too good for us then. But um, yeah, we had. I've got a, a silver and a mixed with Alison Waters, which was uh, yeah again before the Gold Coast 2018. We lost to Joel and Paul in the final. Okay, another strong pair. Yeah, so a lot of strong doubles pairings, but you, I mean, you have a, a pretty good track record of uh, uh, playing doubles. So I'm just wondering, uh, you know, is that something, do you, would you consider yourself, you know, if, if there was such a thing as a double specialist in softball squash, would you uh, consider yourself one and, uh, or, or, or is it just something you, you enjoy playing and when the time comes, you, uh, you take it on? I think because the Commonwealth Games has doubles uh, with medals available, I think you always try, you know, we as English players always try and adapt ourselves to doubles as early as we can because we know there's a good chance of of trying to be part of the team and try and get a medal in doubles. But for me personally, yeah, I think um, I grew up playing loads of different sports. So I think I can adapt to different sports and even within our own sport of of uh, squash like adapting to doubles I always feel like I can uh, adapt to different things really well hence why uh, I adapted to racquetball as well for a little bit um, mm-hmm. won the British title here I think it's six times I'm not actually 100% sure on that really? but, I, didn't, I didn't realize that the British racquetball type like is that on the racquetball like the, the American racquetball court or the British no no, British racquetball is. So it's, it's on the like squash, squash With the squash uh, dimensions, right? Yes, with the yeah, squash dimensions, yeah. So the ball is obviously not as fast as an American racquetball because that's, uh, that's crazy fast. But we, we play yeah. with a tin and uh, it's, it's very similar to squash. It's just a lot slower. Uh, and probably more boring to be honest because it's really? very hard oh. to put the well it's hard to put the ball away right the ball's double the size or whatever it is and it's um, it's very bouncy so if you get if you're playing someone else that's uh, you know moves well and is is in good shape then it's quite difficult to uh, to win rallies but um, but no I, f- I feel you know I, I love all sports I love adapting to different sports and I love being good at different things so um, yeah for me doubles when I first started playing was another challenge to try and get good at it uh, the same way when I first started playing racquetball was the challenge was to get good at it I've started playing paddle now yeah, and annoyingly, my brother's my brother's yeah, paddle's great. Annoyingly, my brother's better than me at it, so um, I need Not to start playing a bit more, try and catch him up. Well, you say that now he's really good, so I need to uh, yeah. I need to try and put a few more hours in. Paddle is a tricky one because uh, you really got to move up. You've got to play forward, yeah. and uh, yeah. for for the yeah. I can't get that through my head yet. I, I'm, I I like to <laughs> I like to lay back and kind of pick my spots from like, the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I think I think I'm probably more of a defensive player in paddle at the moment I love going to chase the ball down and lob it and get the next one back and yeah I prefer being at the back of the court I think at the moment until I can fully see the ball and feel comfortable and then you have to realize that when the ball's coming at you at a million miles an hour you don't need to hit it right if it hits the back the back wall first yeah. it's your <laughs> you point yeah. yeah yeah exactly 
different dimension. And that's for, for tennis players, they find that mental, I think, letting the ball go past them to for it then to right. back. For us squash players, it's a little bit easier to get that understanding of waiting for the ball to come off the back wall. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, as a squash player, like uh, like I like to cut that for that serve and kind of aim for the the, the yeah. corners there in the back. Yeah. Put it low because a lot of non-squash yeah. players, they find they, they have nightmares of you know, if you can get it into the back corner low and <laughs> yeah. off the back. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a nice, it's just such a nice mix of tennis and squash uh, mm. that's played in such a social way, like playing doubles. Uh, most of the time, if you can find an outdoor court with the sun shining, it's really sociable game that I think, um, yeah, I'll probably end up playing a lot, a lot more of it, to be honest. Yeah. You can get a decent workout too. If the, you know, the rallies, uh, can get oh yeah to go on for a bit and, and it's quick and you're moving back and yeah. forth it, it's not like tennis where you're blowing the ball by someone uh, all the time exactly and that's i think that's why i prefer it over tennis yeah yeah for sure uh yeah well uh, one of these days if you get to dubai the, that, that'll be the thing if we can hook up it'll be paddle and then follow, yeah. that, follow that with a, a round of golf at uh Oh, creek. 100%. We'll play the creek. 100%. Are you, st- are you still over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've got nice. some big, big golf this weekend. So uh, hopefully my putting's on. Putting for dough, I'll tell you. Yeah. If I could learn to putt properly, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> but uh, now, uh, now Daryl, I just want to look back a little bit. And you, you've had... Uh, you know, had an amazing uh, career. The one title I wish you had won, and I, I'm pretty sure you didn't win it, but you got to the final several times. Was my in my home uh, town, yeah. uh, Halifax. I mean, that, that's a that's an accomplishment in and of itself to get to the final of that tournament. Uh, it always brought over some great, some really good talent. Actually, it was yeah. always a, a tough ask in the final. But I mean, you had an impressive uh, playing career. Uh, world team champions, uh, British national champion uh, also got to the final uh, you, you got three final appearances there winning one uh so out of uh i mean and you've won i, I think maybe 13 psa titles or around yeah, that. that's right yeah uh so uh, amongst others uh, uh, other accomplishments i'm sure so if you look back at that uh is there one uh i would you know i would probably say you, you might say the british nationals but is there one uh, title or one the event that uh, sticks out in your mind as being a proud uh, moment for you as a player, pro player. Yeah, I think I think those like the ones you've mentioned. Absolutely, I think um, the British title means means a lot or meant a lot at the time, especially because um, I played Nick in the final, Matthew, and um, I'm pretty sure um, he was world champion at the time. And I'm pretty sure he was world number one as well when I played him. So to effectively play the best player in the world for the British title was was a nice um, nice thing to do anyway, win or lose. But the fact that I managed to play really well uh, and beat him in five and win it for the first time and also sort of stop Nick's dominance because he was very, very dominant at that time. And it always used to be Nick and Nick and James in finals, etc. So um yeah, it was a nice, nice moment for me. Um, I actually never won a British junior title either mm. because uh, James was in the same age group as me. 
the whole way through juniors and he yeah. uh, he was the one that took the titles each time and I've got quite a few runners up uh, medals from, from junior days as well. So yeah, it was lovely to win. Uh, lovely to win that one, especially um, family came up to watch and, you know, I think they maybe thought they were coming up to watch a nice, nice event, you know, a nice uh, final of me playing, but maybe losing. Uh, so it was a little bit of a surprise, a nice surprise when I won as well. Uh, but yeah, from from an individual point of view, that was that was a that was a proud moment for me because I was playing good squash then. I think 2011 was, you know, I was I was in the top ten, and you know, although it was a massive upset, I wasn't I wasn't you know miles miles and miles away. I was a top ten player, so um, you know, it wasn't it, it was an upset for sure. But I, I did feel that I always had a chance against Nick. Um, but then from a, from a you know proud moment emotional moment I think winning that 2013 world world uh, championships was one to look back on with it you know just whole whole mixture of emotions we played France in the semi-finals uh, it was in held in France as well and there was about 3,000 people watching it was an absolutely epic match the semis I didn't I ended up not having to play but um, I don't know if you remember the match, but Nick Matthew played Greg Gaultier in the first match and we'd already gone on late because the Australia-Egypt match before had run over. Um, and we ended up going on about half eight, nine p.m. And we were due on at 7.30, I think. Nick and Greg played for like two, uh, two and a quarter hours with stoppages and Nick won on a t- in a tie break in the fifth to take the first string um, and didn't finish till gone like 11.30 I think it was when they came off court Greg had cramp everything it was it was an epic match it really was and then uh, James Wilshot played Thierry Linku in the second string match which was straight after again that was another epic match and I was actually warming up at 1.30 in the morning I was warming up to go on court to play Matthew Castagnier in what would have been the decided match James yeah. actually won 12-10 in the fourth against Thierry after I think that was about an hour and a half match as well and that that was epic that we got through but we we didn't by the time we the boys had warmed down showered eaten like it was like 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning and we were actually due on for the final at 1 p.m the next day yeah which yeah. is which was crazy and they didn't move it back so they didn't they didn't move it back no mm-hmm. so we uh we finished, I think we got to bed about half four, woke up at, I don't know, 10, had food and then back. Luckily, because I didn't play the next day, I was actually first on in the final okay. against Tarek Moman. Uh, and I think at the time we were maybe ranked like nine and 10. Yeah. So it was always going to be a 50-50 match. But that was that was the match I probably played, probably the best squash I've ever played. I beat Tarek three love. I think it was, it was actually just under an hour. It was like 55 minutes. But it was 11-3, 11-5, 11-7. So it was, uh, you know, rallies were long, but it was one of those performances that you look back on and I just wasn't going to be beaten that day. Um, and I knew that we, I knew that I had to win for us to have a chance. And this wasn't writing Nick off, but Nick was playing Rami in the final. Yeah, yeah, and Egypt had actually rested Rami in the semis, which was partly why they had a longer match. It's the luxury uh, Rami, with so many good players, right? You exactly, know. exactly. So Rami was fresh and Nick had played two and a quarter hours with Greg, yeah. literally 12 hours before, which, yeah. So um, 
Nick played really well with one love and five one up against Rami. I don't know how he even did that. And then he obviously hit a wall when he, he was done and Rami played really well after that. So it came down to James and um, Darwish and, and James actually got his revenge from, he lost in the in the deciding match in 2011 in Paderborn and got his revenge and, and won. And that was a that was a great feeling to win world championships with England with your, with your mates. No, for sure. What, what an epic victory that was. I mean, just, uh, to beat... To beat France in France, I mean, that must yeah. have been just such a powerful uh, emotional moment. And then to go on and beat uh, beat Egypt with, you know, such a strong team that they have. Uh, yeah, know. absolutely. And it's, it, it's strange that like, some moments away from the court stick in your mind as well. It's just not everything that happens on court. So after that match against France, it was like three o'clock in the morning and we were still at the venue getting food. And there were still people that kept the cafe and restaurant open. And uh, people were still, obviously the French crowd, there was a lot of them there, 3,000 apparently, and they were still mingling and having a drink and having food. And we, with our England tracksuits, actually walked into the to the restaurant to go and get food because they told us that they were keeping the, the chef was staying and they were making food to whatever time we finished, which was really nice of them. But we actually walked in and there was probably, I don't know, say 200 French uh, fans still in there. And when we came in, they actually stopped and all gave us another, like literally just, a stand innovation when we oh, came wow. in. That's amazing. Which that's that's going to fuel yeah, your fire, isn't it? Absolutely. But but for, for them to do that after like shouting for the last four hours against us, uh, you know, <laughs> it just shows the respect that sport has and, and the great, yeah. um, you know, squash especially, I think, has that uh, work hard, play hard, fight hard, but have have that respect for your opponent as well. And that was, um, you know, fair play to them. That, that was a really nice moment that I won't forget. That's brilliant. Uh, I just want uh, just wanted to go back to your to your uh, British uh, Nationals win. That was twenty uh, twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Yeah. Um, now you were two one down in that match. Yeah. Yeah. So in in the fourth game, I mean, what uh, what were you able to do to conjure up to come back and, and win that? Uh, what were you thinking to yourself in that fourth game and, and to go on and win it in the fifth? I mean, against the guy, was he 10 time British national champion, yeah. world number one, probably the toughest guy out there, right? You're not going to, he doesn't break down, right? Mentally. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, yeah. Break down. Um, I'll never forget the match he played with. Uh, it was earlier in his career, but he, it was against Jonathan power and uh, Jonathan as you know, is up to his old tricks, right? He accused uh, Nick of wiping the, the sweat on the ball and serving it before he served and serving it. Right. And then Nick got right into his face and, and just said, what are you talking about, buddy? <laughs> and he was just new on the tour, right? And JP yeah. was JP, but uh, yeah. he didn't back down from anybody. So at yeah. that point, when you're 2-1 down against Nick, what were you, uh, what, what enabled you to, to, to win it? Yeah, I, you know what? I can't. I don't have too many memories of that actual match, to be honest. The the only memory I have really that sticks in my mind is is Nick hitting um, hitting an error on match ball to me. Uh, I mean, as a backhand boast, he clipped the top of the tin on. I don't have I don't have a memory too much. I remember it being a long match. I remember it being a hard match. I remember playing well, but I don't remember the ins and outs and the ebbs and flows of the match, to be honest. So. Um, you're, you're telling me I was two one down. I don't actually remember whether I was two one down or two one up <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. one love or whatever it might have been. But um, but yeah, like I just I always did okay against Nick. Um, 
I don't really have a rhyme or reason for it. Like I, I always played with fire a little bit when I played Nick. So by that, I mean uh, Nick's strongest area was like his forehand volley. I, th- I thought he was really good on the backhand, um, probably underrated on how good he was on the backhand. But his forehand volley was always the best place. But for me, his weak spot, his Achilles heel was the backhand, uh, the, the back forehand corner. Uh, and by that, I mean a weak spot in terms of I knew he wasn't going to do anything with the ball back there. He never did anything with the ball from that back corner. Like he would hit length or he would. And that was if I could get the ball past him and into that back corner, then I knew I could I could expose some weaknesses and, and get in front of him because half the battle was getting in front of Nick, which yeah, wasn't yeah. always possible. So a lot of the time I played with fire by hitting a cross onto his forehand. But if I could get it past his volley or over his volley, then I was in with a little bit of a chance. And if I didn't, then I got, I got severely punished. Yeah. So um, it was one of those, Nick beat me, you know, a handful of times when I, I couldn't get the ball past him. And um, I'm sure he beat me through love uh, quite a few times, but I, I, I had some joy against Nick for sure. I beat him quite a few times and um, played well against him, but that's, the, you know, helps. He's a teammate. I know he's, he knew my game really well. I knew his game really well. And, um, yeah, we always had a good battle, you know. Um, always knew it was going to be hard physically against him and always was. And he, he knew and I knew we'd give each other hell, you know. But um, I'd give it back just as hard as he would. But um, he, he knew that and I knew he would to me too. Well, that's a great, uh, a fantastic win. And, uh, you know, to be British Nat, to say you were British national champion and to beat who you beat, uh, an incredible uh, an accomplish, accomplishment uh, for you. Um, now, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe last week or a few weeks ago, you posted on Twitter uh, about the glo- the global uh, uh, sort of element of the PSA, the start of the PSA season, yeah. all the different countries. Like I think it's Switzerland, Hong Kong, Singapore, New Zealand, US, Egypt, yeah. obviously, uh, and, and many more. Um, now, and during your career, you during those globe-trotting days, I'm sure you, you remember those, uh, what uh, what do you, are you going to miss that? Uh, I guess you haven't because you've been in you know you've been a family man now for for several years. So that part of it has been you haven't been as prolific on the you know traveling side as you once yeah. were. But what do you miss uh, the most about uh, about all the the travel and, and the you know all the different spots that you would play? Yeah, I mean it's great to see the PSA tour with with that many different countries now hosting tournaments and bigger tournaments as well. It, you know, just looking at that schedule, when I put that tweet out, it was nice to see the likes of Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, trying to trying to get some bigger tournaments back on. Um, lovely part of the world and, you know, a lot of good players have come from there. So it makes sense for, for there to be tournaments there. And, and as you say, like Singapore and, and Hong Kong and, you know, all over the world. Hopefully, we can get a few a few more big tournaments in in Africa and South America as well. But there's you know there's plenty of players from from there. And it really is a global tour, which is great. So, no, for me, the, the travel aspect, I did for the most part, I would say I definitely enjoyed it. I did enjoy seeing different cities, going to different places, experiencing different cultures, um, and to say, I mean, I didn't. You miss home. Like when you have kids, it's a little bit different. But for the first, you know, 10 years of being on tour, it, it was great. I loved it. I loved going away. I loved traveling. Uh, do you know what? I even enjoyed, I enjoyed flying. I enjoyed every part of it, to be honest. Um, I just, you know, didn't always like to be away from home for, for too long. 
but the but the travel was always enjoyable and um yeah i'll i'll miss it hopefully um you know there's there's plenty of places around the world that i haven't been that i'd, I'd love to visit but um squash takes you to, to some amazing places and you know if i've done something else or um gone down a different route and, and followed like the football route i probably wouldn't have seen half the places that i'd that i've been able to see playing squash so no i feel very lucky that you know, squashies are a truly global tour and, and I've got to see some some brilliant brilliant places, meet some great people and, and visit some really, really nice cities. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, well, if you, uh, what what's one sort of uh, international venue that sort of sticks out for you? Um, if you could. I mean, some, somewhere different. We played in Bermuda. We had the, the 2007 World Champs were in Bermuda. And I remember that. That was that was difficult to play because it felt like you were on holiday, and this was a world championships. And we got there, and it's like oh, the sand was lovely, like beautiful blue, lovely sea, and hotel was nice. And we were riding around on mopeds, and I just felt like I was on holiday the whole time. To be honest, I actually played all right, uh, but it was hard separating the squash from the uh, from yeah. the holiday vibes that Bermuda you know produce but that's, that's a brilliant it's a lovely um lovely island really nice people and um yeah that's one that was a little bit different to be honest to the to the norm um i guess that in that great. situation you'd want to maybe go there play your squash and then have a couple of days uh, afterwards so that you could uh, play around a bit right yeah exactly i didn't i don't think i had that to be honest i actually i think i was that's when the old days of uh, qualifying mm. uh before you know they changed it so I had two rounds of qualifying and, and you never know how you're going to get on in qualifying that was always um, that was always brutal you look back the, the, the guys have it easy these days they know what's happening they know what they're going to be in a draw like when we used to play we could you know you'd go out and qualify and, and if you lost you'd get no prize money you'd have nowhere to stay you'd literally just have your bags at the courts and you'd be looking for somewhere to stay on a floor you'd, or something you'd be like a ho- homeless person over there you would exactly be like a homeless <laughs> person and you'd have that in the back of your mind while you're playing it was horrible and you'd see people you know who get to tie breaks in the fifth and you know one person's going to have a lovely hotel room later like another two thousand dollars in the bank and the other person's going to have nowhere to stay and they're missing out on you know important prize money. It was it was absolutely brutal. Qualifying was brutal, but yeah, in that one I managed to qualify to one two good rounds of qualifying. I lost to I got drawn against Greg Gaultier in the uh, first round, which was a which was a tough draw at, at the time. Um, so I lost I lost to him, I think. But um, mm. yeah, I was I was straight out of there the next day. Unfortunately, the way the flights yeah, yeah. worked, but um, I would love to have stayed there a bit longer. I'd love to go back. I remember, uh, I mean, I, I played a couple of small pro events and one of them was in, the, I played the qualifying in Singapore. It was okay. 1997, I think. And, nice. uh, and um, actually my room, I was supposed to room, had I won my final qualifying match, I was supposed to room with uh, Paul Price. Yeah. And he had brought his guitar and everything and, you know, he plays guitar. Um, yeah. And uh, but I, I won my first quality and then I lost to a guy by the name of uh, I think it's from Switzerland, uh, Paul Frank. Is that his name? Yeah, I don't know if you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I do I know. lost to him uh, badly. And then uh, <laughs> I went home. 
but yeah, I know. I I literally had to go home because I I couldn't have uh, at that time couldn't have yeah to afford uh, the hotel and did not have uh, obviously a sponsor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Well, that's amazing. I guess, yeah. What, what's your opinion on that now? I, I guess uh, there's more security, obviously, for, for the players who, you know, direct entry into the draw, but there's less sort of um, opportunity for guys to get into the main draws without qualifying, right? Yeah, I think I think in general, in general, I think it's better. I think, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing well in the, in the, in the challenge at all, and you're winning those those bigger tournaments in that sort of the 10Ks or 20Ks, whatever that might be, then I think naturally the points you get from that will, will get you into those bigger tournament draws. It's just from a PSA point of view, making sure that we have enough of those size tournaments, 20K, 30K, 50K, those mid-range ones for the, the up-and-coming players to, to be able to participate in so that they can, you know, the structure's there, they're guaranteed entry, and if they do really well in them, then they progress to you know the main tour really quickly, and they can get into bigger tournaments uh, and really prove themselves on the on the main world tour. So I do think it's better. It, it just wasn't ugh, the qualifying was was brutal. It, I wouldn't wish that on any of the players now. Like it, it is a better system, uh, in my opinion. But um, but yeah, it was nice to, and nice to have done both. To be honest, it was nice to have gone through. I think I only lost. I was lucky. I, I did generally do quite well in the qualifying events I quite liked the pressure I had one bad one where I lost um, I say bad one I wasn't seeded to win I think I lost to Bradley Ball in Q8 in the last round of qualifying okay. and ended up with nowhere to stay but that was about the only memory I have of, of having a, a tough loss and having to deal with that um, yeah, I think a tough, uh, a tough uh, opponent wasn't he he, he, he was that. and we used to train yeah. together as well so oh, really? um yeah, so we knew each other's games well. Well, I knew he. I knew he just hit everything in the nick. So if I left it loose, I was in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, yeah, good times. Uh, but yeah, the game. I, I agree with you there. I think it's probably more security for for the players and better for the players without the qualifying and without the stress. I guess of yeah having to to deal with that. But um, now I, I know uh, how proud you must be, and I and I saw. Him, uh, on your posts, uh, social media posts of the uh, the English Junior, uh, the World Junior team, uh, having won the World Juniors, uh, yep. I guess for a lot for most of the the squash community, squash world, uh, the big shock there um, for for most people. But uh, uh, in your mind, uh, did you know uh, well about about the team and their prospects, and uh, how surprised were you with, with the result? Honestly, I didn't know how much of a chance they had beforehand. Uh, I knew Finley Withington. I, I'd seen him play a little, little bit and um, saw him in the individuals a little bit as well and, and knew he's a, he's a very good player. Um, so always thought because of his performance in the individuals that we had a chance in the in the teams if you've got a good number one, especially with no Egyptian Getting to the uh, getting to the final, and I didn't know many of the Egyptian players. Normally, I, I know a few of them, but I, I didn't know them too well. And I don't think I think COVID hasn't helped in in there hasn't been that many junior tournaments. There's not been British Junior Opens and, and things like that really um, for the last few years to know know the players. Normally, I'm quite good with that, but um, I didn't know the Egyptian Egyptian players too well either. But then saying that, I didn't actually know the English players too well. Mm. Um, Sam 
who played the winning match, put in a fantastic performance. I've not seen Sam since he was he was much smaller, so I didn't know his level. Um, Sam Franklin. Tyler, right? No, that's um, um, Sam Osborne Wild. Sam, okay, okay, sorry. Yeah, he, yeah, no, that's right. Sam Todd's just too old now, so otherwise we would have a really strong team. Mm. Um, and then Jonah, I know well. Jonah Bryant, he's from he's from down south. I've actually played him. I played him a few months ago in a in a satellite event, and he's um, he's a really nice player, really good squash player, um, nice kid. Um, I think I think he'll do well once he once he gets stronger. He I think he was one of the youngest ones in the team actually though, and playing yeah. that third string match would have been tough for him. But he's someone who's really good. And I didn't know Franklin who, who played number four to to be honest. But um, no, amazing to win. Like the last time England won, I was in the team. That's how long ago it was. Okay, okay. So that was that was in two thousand. Was the last time that England won the world. Uh, I would have been you and James and uh, me, James and uh, Phil Barker, who was Pete uh, Parker's brother. Okay, um, who's now a coach in the US, and then uh, number four in the team was Alistair Walker. Oh, um, strong team. So we had a strong team. Yeah, Pete, Pete Barker was he's so he's a little bit he was a little bit younger. He was the next one. Uh, he played the individuals, but then went home after the first week. But yeah, so that that was the last time. I didn't realise it was it was that long. But obviously, Egypt have been very very dominant mm. in that in that time. And um, no, like the boys put in an amazing performance. Finn was match ball down in the final and showed some real grit and determination to win. Um, and you know, it's, it's the boys did a great job in, in shutting a few people up because there's plenty of people that like to say that England squash is you know dead, it's got no chance, like Egypt's going to dominate, blah blah blah. Which you know, and I understand where those people are coming from, but but we know uh, in England that we have lots of good players, uh, both male and female, and um, and I think you know, especially that age group now. Like the the guys, uh, the guys did an amazing job and, and really, you know, put a statement out there saying that we're not, you know, we're not we're not here just to make up the numbers. We're still England squash. We're still strong. We're still going to put out strong teams both at junior and senior level. And you know, the the, the guys and girls winning the Europeans this year as well. Um, European teams was uh, was another good thing. So yeah, very proud of all of them, and and I look forward to watching their progress. Oh, for sure. Uh, definitely. Now, uh, um, you're probably, you know, now that you're retired, you're probably going to get the call up uh, a few times uh, from PSA Squash uh, TV. You've done that a, a couple of times. Uh, do you enjoy uh, enjoy the PSA uh, commentary stuff with Joey and uh, and uh, the lads and lasses? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. I did it for Kerry Wolf this year. Uh, it's my first proper uh, engagement in, in terms of, uh, I've done a little bit of commentary before, but no, this time was for the full tournament and um, it was it was really enjoyable. I enjoyed doing it with Joey. Um, I enjoyed watching the squash. We had some epic matches at Canary Wharf as well with uh, Asao and Diego and uh, and Dazuki playing some unbelievable squash. It really was. This is really uh, talented, yeah. Yeah, it was it was um it was an epic tournament. It always is a great tournament, Kerry Wolf, and one I know well. And I really did enjoy the commentary. So yeah, if if there's the opportunity to do it again, I'll, I'll definitely um definitely try and take it. Um I love watching squash anyway. Um so any opportunity to uh to watch and uh, you know, I like to see the players progressing and doing well and there's some good rivalries, I think, coming up, both Absolutely. in the men, men's and women's. Like, I Especially think, in uh, the women's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Ones there. Both. But like, yeah. Hanya, Hanya's just 
just amazes me every time I watch her play. I really, really am a big fan of her game. Like um, she's she's got everything, like every every part of her game's in place, and she's getting better all the time. And I really think she she's uh, she's potentially the next world number one for sure. I mean, I'm yeah. saying that she's not. What is she number three or something? Three, at the no, moment? I'm not making it massive prediction there but um she she really she's really got a great game and a good attitude and, and, and I like watching her play um but I like watching all the all the top girls play like they all bring something different to the table Shabini's just been there for so long um she's solid in every way Goha's an absolute machine she she, she hits the ball so so good uh, yeah. Amanda's number four at the moment, and I've you know worked with Amanda. She's before. a different player herself too. I, I really enjoy watching her play because oh, she she just moves she the ball. Shots. She, she's yeah. one of the most intelligent players out there. I, I would say, like she she just plays a like a cerebral uh, game. You know, oh, against these girls are so ultra talented. Uh, she is too, but she. She she thinks a lot. You can tell. Yeah, and and what, one of the things that always amazes me watching Amanda is how she can just blow people away in, in such rapid fire. Like she can win matches in 15, 20 minutes against really good opponents as well. Like girls that aren't ranked that, that far down. And she's, she's just devastating when she's, when, when you give her the ball on a racket, she's, she's particularly good. And, um, you know, she, I think she's been doing better against some of the, um, the top players as well. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a really nice mix. And there's lots of other really good players to watch in the, in the female game. SJ's got lots, lots of talent, uh, Joelle's been there for a long time, and then you've got the likes of Gina Kennedy, who's, who's well. Like you were saying earlier, uh, England squash has a lot to to look forward to. I mean, you've got uh, obviously SJ's right there. Gina's probably number one amongst the English girls right now. It's close. Uh, and then you've got a, a, a Lucy um, Tur- Turmel. Yeah, Lucy Turmel, yeah. And uh, Jet, another a girl yeah. that I was really impressed with. Uh, I don't, you know, she doesn't get a lot of. Uh, squash tv time is um jasmine hutton she yep. she plays really well uh so it bodes well and then there are others too uh amongst yeah absolutely yeah absolutely no it is it is it is good lucy tamel put in a unbelievable performance against joelle at the commonwealth as well and you know it was very inspiring for a lot of the team to watch how well she played as, as a massive underdog in that match uh the level that she reached so no it does bode well for the squash you know and I, i'm a obviously you know, biased with that. I like to see the English players doing well and um, it is really nice to see. And even going past that, I think um, my, my oldest is playing tournaments now and he's actually playing um, in the same age group as James's son, Wilstrop's son, Logan. So there could be a a whole brand new rivalry just about to start in the, in the world of squash. Selby Wilstrop take two, I think, uh, Right in the on. Next few years, yeah. which could be quite good fun. Does the Selby uh, uh, shot making uh, is that apple fallen far from the tree? <laughs> I don't know at the moment. Cleaners, uh, <laughs> top spin back. I, I was look. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, I skipped over that question, but you uh, PSA posted or someone posted like the your ten best uh, shots that you've ever hit. Yeah, it's a compilation of them. And uh, the two that I, out of the 10, I, I looked and I, I chose my two that I thought were the best. It, it was the the backhand reach around roll, absolute rollout neck against James. I, yeah. I, you know, and uh, I mean, that that's a shot I think that a lot of people can play if they try it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but the uh, but the tweener against uh, 
was it Rosner, the, the second yeah. one? The, between, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, those, were, those were the two uh, I'd rank. I'd rank nice. the, the Willstrip, number one, and then Rosner, but uh, you might beg to differ. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's difficult. There's, I mean, there's a few other ones actually. Yeah, there's a few. We you could have had. I think they missed. uh, They missed a few as well. um, But but good ones. I hear (laughs) (laughs) a few. A few of my other personal faves. But um, but no, out of out of those. What's your personal favorite? Like, uh, which one would be your? You know, looking back. Um, it's a good question. I quite like. So one that I've never seen anyone hit before, which on on that little on that little reel was the backhand topspin drop against Tarek from the front left hand corner. Because yeah, I got was, so much topspin. I, I watched that went, a couple times. I was like, Jesus Christ, what did did it hit? Yeah, the, the, frame the, the or ball. The, I hit it really good, and the ball, <laughs> the, yeah, the ball had so much spin on it, and it just went, it just came out really nicely. So, um, and I've not played that again. I don't think since, but yeah. no, those other ones, you know, they're just, I just, I enjoy hitting different shots. I enjoy trying different things and I want to entertain the crowd. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part of, for me, that's part of the enjoyment of, of playing, you know, like I want to be yeah. a wanted, always wanted to be an entertainer, always wanted to be, um, you know, a bit of a shot maker. And I never was that. I never was that before. Like when I was a junior I always had it in me, but I, I, I sort of, I say I had it coached out of me. I didn't have it coached out of me. I just, um, I, I produced a lot of really solid game from when I was 14 to 24. Those 10 years were, I was playing solid squash. I was fit. I got a lot of balls back. Um, I had it in there, but yeah, I, randomly I watched, um, my son found it the other day, but I watched uh, my match against Hisham Ashaw. Rami's brother is actually on Shotmaker's Paradise there yeah well you think it, that was in um, in the Evergreen Club in okay, uh, Vancouver, Vancouver. Uh, yeah that was the final there and I beat I think I, I can't remember Tarek was in it maybe Shabana was in it but anyway I ended up playing Hisham in the final and um, yeah I was it was the opposite Hisham was trying to hit every shot under the gun I was just picking everything up yeah. Doing everything I could to possibly hit straight length, straight lines. That was probably that was your game plan probably going in, right? You knew you knew that beforehand, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I sort of shocked myself how well how well I moved and like I don't know, you don't you don't remember playing that long ago. And I just I, f- I found it, it had all five games on there. You couldn't see the ball too well, but it was just interesting watching. And uh, I didn't play anything like I do now, but it was good to watch. I, I you know, I was just solid. I was hard to beat, basically. And Hisham got bored in the end. I won three two, <laughs> and Hisham just yeah, just hit, bored, hit too yeah. many errors. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Just to go, just to quickly go back because I, I jumped over. We don't need to spend much time on it, but the the men's game, obviously, at the end of last season, we saw Ali Farag. He he took over number one from Paul Cole again, and it was a great season last year with Paul. Uh, you know, getting to number one, and and uh, that that was fantastic. But then we saw other guys like Asal and, and Diego uh, moving up in the ranks. And it certainly looks like Asal is in the uh, ascendancy now. Uh, yeah. A lot of people, you know, the jury, you know, he's a polarizing figure. I, I, I tend to sort of, I like the guy. I like his personality. I think he's come, I think he's matured uh, quite a bit. You know, he doesn't celebrate until the, his opponent's off the court. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, and I, I, you know, he has movement issues, I guess, but uh, overall, what a talented uh, squash player he is. Um, 
and Diego the same for them. It, it, it just looks like it's going to be another exciting season. Will Will uh, Paul Cole uh, rise to the top again? Uh, who knows? Uh, what 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 do you, What's your sort of uh, thumbnail on that, Daryl? Yeah, it is interesting. It's a really nice time, actually. Um, Asao, Asao looks a force to be reckoned with. It really does. Is um, what what has always impressed me with him is his ability to play to a good level day after day and yeah. to get to world number one. I'm sure Paul and Ali will tell you uh, and Mohammed, uh, any of those that have been up there, that you have to be able to produce those types of performances, not day after day, but week after week on tour, because that's how you get to world number one. So it's not, you know, some players that have come through have, have, have been able to play, really, you know, at his age especially, have been able to play a great tournament, play unbelievable for a little bit, uh, and then they may have a tough loss in an early round in the next one and be a little bit inconsistent. But his consistency for me has been one of the things that I've been most impressed with. Um, the, the level that he's played to is amazing, but the fact he's played to that level on a consistent basis is is really impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think he does. He does have, you know, some movement issues and I don't, you know, I like, I like the aggression that he brings to the table. I like his celebrations. I like his flair. I like all that part. I just hope he can sort out the, the traffic issues because that's one part of the game that you don't want too many. It's just the stopping and the starting for, for me, which is just a bit too much. It's, um, you know, theatrics and injury. You know, like I'm all for that. I'm all for the uh, the entertainment factor. But um, I think back yeah. to the old, when you, when you first came on the tour, you had to deal with the likes of, uh, you know, the Jonathan Powers out there. They're, they didn't get me any more, much more theatrical uh, than yeah. that. <laughs> Exactly, and yeah, it's, I mean, you know, well, look at. Do you remember that? That what was it? Palmer when Palmer nearly threw him yeah. through the wall, right? Yeah, Jeez. yeah, 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 yeah. But that's 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 all the bits that make you know that's part of sport, right? Like that's that's the bit that people can can clip up and it and it gets people talking and and I totally get that. Like, yeah, you're not gonna tell your kids and show your kids and say this is this is the way to behave but it's part of professional sport and if if those things happen it's like you can still teach the kids that's not the right thing to do but these yeah. are grown adults right like they're, they're dealing with things the way that they want want to deal with them uh whether it's right or wrong you still have to um you know you still have to respect that they're, they're you know trying their best to try and win a match and if they think that's the right way to do it that's the right way to do it but in the heat of battle you don't always you look back and you, I've done things that I would regret and say I shouldn't have done that, but it is, it is what it is. And, you, you know, you still, at the end of the day, can say, look, kids, don't do that when you're older or this is not the right, right way to behave. It's, it's, it's nothing, nothing wrong with it. So any sort of drama that can be caused, um, for, you know, or any, anything that happens in squash, which gives squash a bigger name, always hopefully the right reasons, but any time you can get more people watching the game, I think it's a good thing. But yeah, going back to it, I think yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like you've got Ali who's been there for a little while, who is a beautiful player to watch, lovely yeah. player to watch, but, but can he sustain it? That's the question. Paul's going to be hungry to get his number one spot back. But, you know, Paul has, has a game that everyone knows. Uh, I think they know it, know it pretty well. They know what they get from Paul. He's, he's constantly developing and changing his game a little bit and adding shots and, and perfecting certain bits, which is, you know, credit to him and, and the way he conducts himself. Um, but for, for me, like Diego is someone that I think is nearly there, is nearly on that cusp of a breakthrough where 
he's got everything he needs. Like he's a superb athlete. He's a great squash player. He just needs to find that consistency uh, of performance, sort of the way Asal has as one of the younger statesmen. But then Mohammed's working with Greg now, which is a nice dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know he he obviously showed what still what he's capable of at the end of last season. And uh, you know with a good with a good summer's training, it'd be interesting to see because he knows that he doesn't have many good seasons left, you know, at that very, very top level, just due to age. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has loads left. He might prove me wrong. But say he's got two, three, four seasons, you know, he'll be wanting to take every every opportunity he's got to to win major titles again. Um, and that's not talking about some of the other players that are coming up. Joel Makin's improving all the time, as you saw in the Commonwealth final. Um, and there's there's plenty of other other players we can talk about, I think, just off the top of my head, even, you know, Yusuf Ibrahim is another one. I was just like, going to mention, I mean, that that guy is amazing. Yeah, he's, he's very different. Yeah, yeah, he's very different player to anyone uh, that that I've seen play. Like, very, very strange swing, but very, yeah. uh, very deceptive. Uh, I've actually, I actually quick, played him in very Qatar. Quick. Very quick. Yeah, yeah very quick. I, I, I played him in Qatar. Really strange match. Was up and down. Not that long ago, probably only three years ago, and it was uh, he actually rolled his ankle at nine all in the fifth. Yusef okay. did really badly, um, which yeah, in hindsight, it wasn't my fault. He just rolled his ankle, but they, he somehow <laughs> the referee gave him thirty minutes because it was apparently a con- contributed injury, um, even though I was nowhere near him. But um, he ended up taking the full thirty minutes. But I genuinely didn't think he could come back on; like it, it looked really bad. Yeah. Um, and I think he only should have had three minutes because it was self-inflicted. Anyway, he took the full 30 and I just thought, oh, he's not coming back on. There's no way. Like he literally couldn't put any weight on it whatsoever. And he came back on after 30 minutes, hobbling around and I lost the next two rallies. He hit, he hit a winner. You know what? You know, like the worst person you can possibly play yeah. hopping around like um, Karate Kid he was. Well, that, that's, that's his normal game anyways. Just going for winners off of anything yeah so yeah. he's uh he's yeah, another he's a one he's, guy. Yeah. he's another one i'm interested he's been injured at the start of this season which is unfortunate because i'm but i'm looking forward to once he gets back to uh full speed to to, to watch him play and see because he'll be he'll be an annoying one for a few players to play because his ranking is not quite all the way up there at the moment so yeah a few people might get him in uh, second rounds and stuff because he's not in the top eight at the moment, which will be um, which will be tricky for a lot of the top eight players if they get a few unlucky draws. I mean, just just it's an unlucky draw either way because if you win, you've probably had a tough one with him, or if not, then it's a really tough second round. Yeah, a couple of other guys too that that look good are Victor Quint. He's been playing really well uh, of late and uh, played well at the end of last season. Uh, Patrick Rooney. Uh, of late uh, maybe his results haven't been that great but it's still early days maybe he's just uh, ramping up for the beginning of the season well that's a great breakdown of it all now but uh, you've been great with your time but I'd be remiss before uh, we we, uh, close the show here uh, not to uh, ask you about this uh, recent round of golf that you played at the old course (laughs) Now, did you just did you pick up someone's golf cart and, and put it there, or uh, or is that real set? Did you really shoot seventy four on the uh, on the old course with a th- with a four putt on a par three? Yes, two? yes, that is uh, all of that is true. All of wow. that is true. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, actually hit 17 out of 18 greens as well, but they are the biggest greens in the world. So that's not exactly anything to write yeah. home about. But um, yeah. no, I, I was lucky enough to I lucky enough to have the opportunity to play it twice actually in the last um, few months. Um, so I played it a little while ago, six months ago, say, uh, and I actually really, I actually really enjoyed it. Lots of people said to me, "Ah, oh, the old course boring, blah, blah blah." Some people said it's really special, and I, I just, I just really enjoyed it. Like I just mm. loved it as a as a special place. I actually really enjoyed the course. It's, there's so many subtleties within the course that you you have to appreciate. Uh, if you don't appreciate the subtleties, then yeah, I can imagine people just think it's straight out, straight back. Um, but yeah, played this this most recent one. Yeah, I, pl- I played really well. And the four putt, oh god, I've got to tell you about that on eleven. I was uh, it was part of a Mercedes Benz corporate day, so um, we were lucky enough to play that eleventh hole with Tom Watson, the great Tom Watson. You played you you played with Tom Watson. Yeah, I played that hole, that eleventh hole wow. with Tom Watson. Yeah. So he was on the tee. He was playing that particular hole with each group that came through. Okay. So we watched him hit his tee shot first. So anyway, I was playing with some other good golfers, uh, a pro and, um, you know, off, off less than me. I'm off 3.2 at the moment, but they were all lower handicaps than me. So um, Tom, Tom hit his ball in the middle of the green, lovely eight iron shot. The other boys actually all missed the green. And then I actually put my ball inside Tom's, which was good because apparently not many other people had done that, which was, which was obviously great. But I'd left myself a horrible downhill putt, like horrible downhill putt. And, after the after the the pin was three foot and then you were down into the second tier of the green as yeah. if it was a two tier green so um yeah anyway tom watson was watching and i tried to make my birdie and it didn't go much past and it just kept going kept going nearly nearly stopped and then it went rolled out to about 40 foot oh, so i went oh, from being man. about 20 foot to 40 foot with one putt I then tried to putt back up the slope it got to the top and then came back all the way down to my feet oh no uh, in front of Tom and then I was holding Tom up and everyone else up I hit the next the next part I actually nearly made it as well from 40 foot to about an inch Uh, and then yeah that was a solid four putt for my double bogey double bogey and any words of wisdom from uh, from the legend himself yeah, he said, work on your putting. <laughs> uh, work on your putting, son. Yeah. He said, nice uh, swing, work on your putting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's He's a very nice good. man. Yeah. Uh, he, he was my favorite golfer, you know, before Tiger came along growing up. Right. I love Tom Watson. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that's great. Great stuff. Great golf. Great score, 74. Just before that's you awesome. go, the best swing of the modern era for me is Rory. Best swing of all time, Freddie Couples. How about you? Oh, Freddie Couples, I'm with you. Love that. Love that swing. Yeah, um, yeah I like Rory, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I wouldn't. Maybe wouldn't choose his swing. I don't know who I'd choose. I'm a lefty, though. I'm a lefty, so. Not Mick. Good old Phil. Good old Phil. No, Bubba. Go for Bubba. Yeah, so there crazy. You go. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a video of his where. He, I guess the green was some, somewhere, well, it was a dog leg, but uh, there were like low hanging trees. Yeah. If you hit it under those trees, like like only like five or six feet, you could hit it under, uh, then you could get to the green. So he said he was going to hit a stinger under those trees <laughs> with his driver and he put it on the green. <laughs> I want to find that clip. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it, he posted it himself. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, it, it's okay. recent. But uh, Daryl, uh, really, really, uh, for all the squash, you, you know, tremendous squash over the years. Uh, congratulations on a, a magnificent career. And, uh, you know, you didn't get the Blue Nose uh, Classic, but you did win the British Nationals. World number nine, highest ever. Uh, great stuff. And thanks for coming on today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Well, that's it. Episode 226 in the books. Daryl Selby does it again. What a great chat with him and want to wish him all the best going forward. Look forward to hopefully having him on uh, PSA Squash TV to add a bit more color. And speaking of the PSA, the Qatar Classic is ongoing right now, as well as the event, the women's uh, event in Houston uh, with the Qatar Classic. I mean, we've, we've it's been amazing. Uh, some real big surprises early on in the event, uh, all the way up until the final, really. Uh, Mohamed El-Sherbagi just took out uh, Mustafa Saul in uh, four games. And Victor Quin continued his uh, surprise form. Actually, not really surprised because he was playing extremely well at the end of last season and started off really well uh, at the beginning of this season. A few events uh, that weren't really that well publicized, but he played well in those. And he's into the final after a hard-fought four-game victory over Tarek Momin. He hung in there when he had to, and he pulled it out. Uh, that'll be a fantastic uh, finish uh, to that event tomorrow. Will Victor's form hold up? Uh, I think it might because, uh, you know, Tarek threw everything at him there, especially towards the end of the match, and uh, he held on and held. It just depends on uh, Mohamed, what game he brings. I mean, he, he has the ability, Mohamed El-Sherbagi, to... Uh, to change his game up a bit to uh, you know just given who his opponent is so tomorrow we'll see uh, uh, probably a very entertaining and very hard fought final in Qatar now in Houston um, I didn't check the latest results uh, on that I I know I I got up to the quarterfinal and it was pretty much all the seeds went through so I'm just going to check out uh, the results here uh, from today uh, because I was at work, um, so let me just take take a look here as we're going through the results. We've got the Southwestern Open, I believe it's called. Yes, it's uh, being held at the club that in Houston that sponsors Noran Gohar. She mentioned that in the uh, podcast that we just had with her. And um, well, right now the the latest results haven't. It's just straight. It, we're into the quarter, September 9th. So it's Gohar and Olivia Fleichter, which could be interesting. Uh, uh, Olivia's been playing well, uh, had been playing well uh, all of last season, and she got through uh, Sabrina Sobe in three games. Emily Whitlock and Rowan Eller, Ellarby. Uh, Emily always gives everybody trouble, but Rowan is uh, the favorite in that one. Obviously, the match of that of the Thursday is obviously going to be Jer- uh Georgina or Gina Kennedy against Noor El-Tayeb. Um, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. I mean, Noor's playing extremely well, and she won't want to lose uh, that match. But Gina's, uh, I think she's got the game to do it. Uh, she's going to have to hang in there. Noor's going to be going for her shots, and she's going to pick up a lot more balls than maybe Gina expects. So it's going to be an inter- that'll be the interesting match of uh, the Thursday matches, in my estimation, obviously. Uh, and then we have the other. Uh, quarterfinal Salma Hani and Amanda Sobi. So uh, that that event looks like it's going to be quite uh, quite intriguing, especially when it, you know all of those quarterfinal matches could be interesting.
interesting, but the the match for me there obviously is uh, Kennedy v El Tayeb. Don't won't want to miss that, and I think it's on Squash TV. So we'll look to uh, see if we can watch that one. Uh, maybe. Um, it, on into the final too it'll be uh, quite interesting if amanda gets through uh well whoever uh, wins that match between tayeb and kennedy uh will probably end up having to play Sobi, and that'll be another cracker i don't see um anyone stopping gohar uh getting through to the final there though um so that'll be uh, that'll be interesting so that's with the women in houston and the men in qatar and it's me here in the uae i played today uh felt good i hadn't played for quite a while so uh felt good to get out there and uh get back on court i'm going to start the routine again maybe twice a week uh three if i'm lucky but uh yeah twice a week is enough for me at this point uh with a dodgy uh dodgy hip uh, so i have to watch out for that if i'm going to be uh, playing hard all the time i hope it's all going well for you take good care and we'll be talking to you very soon we've got uh, josh taylor the winner, the winning coach of the uh, England Junior Men's World Champions. He's come on and I did that chat uh, just a few days ago. Fantastic episode. You won't want to miss that one as well. So uh, we've got a few more coming up too. Rob Dinnerman's going to be coming on. Always love having Rob on and we're going to be looking back at the lives of two uh, great North American squash players who uh, unfortunately uh, passed away recently, uh, Pete Bostwick Jr. and uh, Chris Stevens. Rob had written uh, two incredible tributes to them uh, on the Daily Squash Report, and uh, he's going to come on and talk about their squash careers, their squash lives, uh, and the legacies that they left behind. So I'm really looking forward uh, forward to that. And we've got quite a few more episodes in the hopper as well, so stay tuned for those. All the best to everyone, to your squash, to your family, and uh, take good care. We'll be talking to you very soon. Goodbye now.